This headline featured on the 4th of June, 2020, in the treatment section on the Prostate Cancer UK website. Quoting, behind the headlines, can a drug act like a guided missile to target advanced prostate cancer? News of lutetium therapy, an innovative treatment for advanced prostate cancer, hit the media today. That 2020 article, with its catchy title, remains prominent in web searches. However, the thinking around the use of lutetium therapy is evolving. Whether media and press articles are dated, or current publications, patients must be thorough and careful in their acceptance of the information presented, and especially wary of attention-grabbing headlines. This is essential for self-directed patient detectives and patient scientists. Hello, and welcome to Prostate Cancer Lessons, and today's topic, Lutetium 177, with our guest, John Thomas. John is a guitarist, an amazing cyclist, a law professor, a fellow podcaster, patient advocate, and John is taking on metastatic prostate cancer. I am your host, Marie Keith Wadsworth. John, thank you for joining us today. Well, my pleasure to be here, sir. As we're discussing the most difficult subject, incurable metastatic prostate cancer, part of why I wanted you to join us today is you're very open about what you face, and I admire you for this and respect you. Doctors want to put us on ADT. You and I don't want to be on ADT. You and I know it's not curative, and it's going to create a miserable life. And for guys as fit as we are, it's going to radically change our lives. I am not looking to do any treatment yet. I'm watching my PSA. I test every one to two months. I'm at zero three. I had a PSMA gallium and Plarify last year. I had to push hard to get those because the guideline right now seems to be around 0.2. I see no reason waiting that long. My two PSMAs were clear. So I sent the imaging data over to England. They also conferred that it's clear, but I absolutely believe I've got cancer in my body, perhaps cancer stem cells at 0.3. You're at 0.5. You're resisting ADT. You're resisting chemo, same as me. You've stumbled across, I'll use those words because I think that's actually how we do this. That's accurate. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> yeah, that's not a coordinated term between us. We stumble, <laughs> we, right? We scratch our heads and we go, my doctor didn't tell me this. Talk about where you are in contemplating lutetium and how you stumbled into it and what you've learned, which is radically different. I'm going to use the word radically different than everything I've read in general U.S. information. Right. So I really, it was, my stumbling was to stumble around and avoid the ADT, energy deprivation therapy. Um, I, I just didn't want to do that. And you mentioned it's not curative. Prostate cancer cells love testosterone. They thrive on testosterone. If you can deprive them of testosterone, they won't thrive. They won't die, but they'll kind of shrivel and do nothing to you. But the things are wily. The hormone therapy works for two to three years, depending on the patient, by which time the cancer cells mutate to a point where they don't need testosterone anymore, and then they come kill you. So it's a, it's a time saver. It's a lifesaver. It slows down the spread, the growth of your cancer, but it doesn't cure it. And again, it has all these side effects. So I started thinking about this, you know, that why are we, it's been around for so long. Why is this the default treatment in the U.S.? Well, it isn't the default treatment. It's only the default treatment until it doesn't work anymore. 
right? So we have new stuff, new treatments available. The Zotetium approved in March of 2022 to treat castration-resistant prostate cancer. And that's the term you're going to see in all the medical literature. That's a term you're going to see for the FDA, which approved this combination of two radioactive drugs. One is the gallium that Murray just mentioned. The other is the sotetium. Gallium is, is just modestly radioactive. Sotetium is a more powerful radioactive drug. And they've only been approved once your cancer becomes castration resistant. Now you can actually, and there are cases of this, people just choose to be physically castrated or you can do it chemically. I started wondering, well, why do we do that? Why do we have to go for two or three years and until this drug stops working? We know it's not curing the cancer cells. It's not killing the cancer cells. It's just essentially holding them at status quo until they get smart enough to mutate and get around this therapy. And I began looking because I discovered that the FDA had approved these two radioactive drugs that had been used for some years in Europe and the UK, right? Used elsewhere. And so I began looking at studies and I wanted to know why do you have to wait to use this drug until your prostate cells have mutated? That is, you've been castrated, chemically castrated for some years. And I found two studies. This is in June of 2022, a study in the US, early lutetium therapy in metastatic non-castrate or castration-sensitive prostate cancer, long-term results. This is 2022 uh, in the Journal of Nuclear Medicine. It works. It works well. We get good results in about 75% of cases. It depends on how high your PSA test, PSA score was going in. depends on how high your Gleason score was going in. I don't have the data on how high your genetic testing, we decipher another model. That's not part of the data set there, but it's, it's effective. Well, if it's effective, it doesn't have, and the other thing is, so lutetium is effective, and I'll talk a little bit about the process of how it works in a moment. If it's effective and it doesn't have the side effects of the hormone therapy, why aren't we using it instead of the hormone therapy, right? It makes sense to me, right? The, only, the, the big side effect of lutetium is just fatigue. The hormone therapy has a lot more side effects than that. And then I found a study published December 31st of last year. It is by a team of physicians in the Netherlands and Germany, and I have since reached out to that team, not only did they discover that lutetium is effective for non-castration-resistant prostate cancer, it is more effective if you use it before giving the patient the hormone therapy. It's more effective. Now, both of the studies have small numbers. The subjects are, are 20 or 25 subjects total in each, in each study, so we only have 40 or 50 of these. The number are statistically significant, but we do need more, more subjects and more study on it. But it's going to change the standard of care. It has to, right? Because we now know from this study that if I go undergo that hormone therapy before I get my lutetium, it's going to be less effective. And lutetium is much more effective than hormone therapy. So how does it work? And we can talk about why this is so. So it's really, it's, it's a, it's a two-step process. We first get this shot of gallium that Murray mentioned, which is just modestly radioactive, so that the PSMA PET scan, prostate-specific membrane antigen, positron emission PSMA PET scan, can detect where these molecules go. So the gallium attaches to the prostate-specific membrane antigen. The, it's, a, it's a protein on the outside of prostate cancer cells. It attaches there, 
And so the scan can then find where those molecules are. It can see, one, whether you have cancer in your body and where it is. It also reveals that cancer cells have this antigen on its outside surface, the membrane antigen. Not all of them apparently do, but almost all of them do. So it also shows whether the radioactive molecules can attach to those cancer cells. So we eject gallium, we scan it, we see where, where if, it, if, it, if it attaches to cells. If it attaches to cells, that means we've got cancer cells. Then we inject the more radioactive petechium, which attaches to that first drug, the gallium. And it is remarkable. It drops PSA way down much more effectively than the, the androgen deprivation therapy. And it seems to be longer lasting. Right. So, for instance, if you wanted to see whether it slows down the spread of cancer, it is statistically significantly better at slowing down the spread of cancer than is the androgen deprivation therapy, the hormone therapy. So, it's it's more effective than the hormone treatment, and it's even more effective if you get it without undergoing the hormone treatment. So, this is what I want. Right. It's not approved in the U.S. yet for that treatment. The physicians in the Netherlands and Germany have agreed to treat me if I can get my scan. I'm going to get my scan in, in uh, January. So I have a path anyway. It makes me happy. I don't know the pragmatics of getting treatment. Murray can inform me on that. I don't know the cost of getting treatment. I'm hoping to leverage this with my healthcare providers here to get the treatment here off-label, right? We all know about off-label uses of all kinds of medications. There's no prohibition on using it off-label. That is for somebody who hasn't undergone a hormone therapy. So that's my hope. John's an excellent mentor of a patient detective and patient scientist, which I talk about in the book, and it's, it's one of my themes. It's how I found my way to the path I got on. The salvage lymph node surgery that I had done in Belgium, not done here in the U.S., the way it was done there. Couldn't find a center to do it. There's data that shows how successful it is. It got me from point one after my radiation down to less than zero one, and now slowly creeping back up to zero three. I've been reading about lutetium and pondering, should I get on ADT or chemo? And now I'm wondering, is this the way to go? And if it is, when to go with it? So John, let's talk about that for a moment. We both have these very low PSA numbers. Most men facing metastatic prostate cancer would love our numbers right? There, because we're not suppressing these numbers. They, right. they don't, sometimes don't even achieve this with suppression. When do you go? You know, I don't know. It certainly sooner is better than later, in my opinion. And, I, and we, you and I have talked about this on occasion, that this notion that your cancer comes back is just false, right? That, that narrative is false. Cancer doesn't come back. It either gets taken all out or some remains. And so both of our numbers have been increasing. There's no way for your PSA to increase unless you've got prostate cancer cells in your body. It just can't happen. Now, you can get a bad reading, right? So if the scores are jumping up and down when you're getting your quarterly, your monthly reading, like you, I get quarterly reading, you get monthly readings. If it's jumping up and down, you can get a false positive. But if you can see a trend, you've got cancer. And the notion that we're going to wait until your cancer grows and spreads a bit more before we treat it seems crazy to me. Now, it wouldn't seem crazy to me if you roll the clock back about 40 years and your only possible treatment is surgery. But we have these other kinds of treatments. So it, it it's just seems like a non-starter to say, if we can't identify cancer cells, we'll treat them. And these the PSMA PET scanning can identify cancer cells. So from my perspective, I, I just don't, you know, I, I don't want to wait a year. 
Let's wait until it spreads all over your lymph nodes. Well, well, you know, that doesn't sound like a good idea to me. I know that might save you money because I might get taken out by lightning or a bus or what have you, but it doesn't make any sense to me to wait. So for my notion, and you know, this is not an economic proposition, I, I, you know, I don't know the cost of the world and the cost to me of the scanning. It seems to me if the PSMA PET scan can identify and locate cancer cells, you should treat it because we have these fancy drugs that attach radioactive molecules to the outside of those cancer cells and kill them. What's your perspective on this, Murray? Six years ago, I self-paid for my first gallium over in the Netherlands, much cheaper over there for many reasons. My treatments, two surgeries in, in Europe and the imaging were all less than a modest car. So it's an interesting thing to ponder. Right. I agree with that. And and, and from my perspective, it, again, it, if the modern scanning technology can identify and locate cancer cells, and we have a treatment that's effective and doesn't have any right. serious side effects we know about, do it. Because I had the salvage lymph node surgery, and they found cancer in what are called the para-aortic lymph nodes, which is the precipice of incurable. I know my cancer's out and moving. Now it's at these very low numbers. I think of them as the concept of cancer stem cells trying to take hold. I did the two images last year uh, to see if we could see anything, and we couldn't. That didn't suggest to me I don't have it. It just suggests it's still so small. So I do some diet things to try and hold back cancer stem cells from redeveloping. And at some point they will. I believe that. Why wouldn't they? That's their job. Right. And they're not interested in my life. They want to grow. They want to propagate. They don't realize the end game they're playing, but they're not the sentient beings that we are. So it's an interesting contemplation of when to do this. And I'm considering it now. And the question is, when do you trigger? There's certainly side effects to lutetium, but there's side effects to not treating. There's side effects to all parts of this. We just have to choose. Uh, one friend of mine speaks in terms of we just have to pick our poison. And I think there's some truth in that. To not die from this, to not devastate our lives with androgen deprivation therapy or chemo. So, John, what we've shared with folks today is a decision point each of us has arrived at. And that is, do we do any treatment to our cancer at the moment? Which many doctors would say we don't have. Many doctors would tell us to wait. Standard guidelines are point two for biochemical recurrence. I know that to be false because of point one, I had a lot of cancer removed from my pelvic lymph nodes. So we've presented to folks some new thinking, perhaps for them, a newer solution in this lutetium that is not available here in the US as standard protocol by any means. Certainly at the PSA levels we're facing and certainly prior to ADT and chemo. But I agree with you from all the reading I've done in the directions you've pointed me, this seems to be a very favorable route and we're waiting on time. The challenge we face is trials are really sort of desperate situations. It's hard to get people to enter them. The example I would use is John and I. We're each presented a trial for lutetium at this early stage in our recurrence, the medical community would say, and prior to ADT. But because it's a trial, we might face a placebo. One of us might get to lutetium and one of us might not. You're not going to get a lot of men signing up for this program. Not particularly desirable, particularly when we're as healthy as we are. 
and doing as well as we are. So we're not going to get the data we need to make an absolute excellent decision. There was very little data on my pelvic lymph node surgery, and it has done wonders for me. John, as we begin to wrap up here, what would you like to add? Well, first, I want to mention the trials, the clinical trials. They're only available if you have castration-resistant prostate cancer at this point in the U.S. So we'd have to undergo that hormone therapy. What I really want to end with is just make sure people understand I'm not an expert. I do have some training and I've gone on Google Scholar and Medline and that sort of thing and done my best to filter the literature. Uh, But I've got one, I've gone into it with a biased view. I'm trying to find a cure for me as best I can. I'm not casting a wide net, throwing to one side any hormone therapy, but also I'm just not an expert. But what I do think in that this, uh, you and I are, are on the same path here is we're doing our best to understand landscape in this field for ourselves, for our own treatment, but we're sharing it with the world. And I, that's what I want to do. I want to make sure I, I'm aggressive. I'm challenging my healthcare providers in a respectful way, trying to get the best treatment I can, but I want to share everything I learn. That's why you're doing this podcast, right? That's why I've got my online prostate cancer recovery diary. Uh, I want to help push the envelope about information. I want to help other people suffering prostate cancer, but other ailments as well, I want to help them figure out how to best advocate for themselves. And I really just want to leave a marker in the world that I did my best to turn my cancer into something positive, not just for my own treatment, but for the world. My, my, my line is, and it always uh, alarms people, I used to be very, very private about my health issues. And at this point in time, you want to see my scars, I'll drop my pants in a parking lot, right? I just don't care. If there's anything I can possibly do to make this somehow positive, I want to do that. And I think the way to do that is to be public with our journey. And I thank you for letting me share my journey and my research and just my my notions about how the healthcare system ought to work uh, with your listenership. Thank you. Well, thank you, John. At times, we can think of ourselves as arrogant or, or who are we? We're, we're mere patients. My final comment on that will be, if you understand the restrictions on prostate cancer, the standard guidelines on prostate cancer, and without question, it is a most difficult disease. It originates in a very hard place to get to. I've also faced melanoma cancer. Those get cut off pretty easily. We hope they don't spread, but they're pretty easy to remove. Prostate cancer is challenging, and it's got all of its side effects. We don't know enough is the bottom line. We're watching the death rate in the U.S. rise now. We're going to go up over 34,000, maybe 35,000 this year from this disease. So something else did not get them first. And the number is now evasive. I used to be able to find it, and I cannot find it anymore. Some 2 million, 2 million American men on hormone-blocking drugs. So we're just trying to do what we can, as you shared very well. There's nothing wrong with it because we don't treat ourselves and we only use top institutions to do treatments on us. So it's good science. You just have to find a way to get it done. As you said, the lutetium right now prior to ADT isn't even possible in a trial in the U.S. It's a shame. You may have to leave the country to get it as I had to leave the country for my surgery. It's good surgery in, in Belgium where I had mine. They're just not doing it here because it's not the guideline and the guidelines control so much of this. So, John, thank you very much. Would you like to share your YouTube? Um, I would love to. It's the uh, Prostate Cancer Recovery Diary. Uh, John Thomas, Google that and you'll find it. So, John, thank you very much. 
Very much appreciate it. I hope we've been helpful to people. And I'm going to leave this as my final comment. You're listening to two men facing metastatic prostate cancer, described as incurable at this point, and listen to us talk, listen to our lifestyles, and listen to what we're doing to do everything we can to not die from this disease or certainly push that date further out. So, John, thank you. Any any last word? I appreciate the platform. Thank you for letting me talk about something about which I feel very passionate and giving me the possibility of helping improve other people's lives. Thank you. Thank you very much. John, all the best to you and all the best to all of us. And now, because it is necessary, I shall read a statement from my book that has been slightly edited for this podcast series. Please do listen to the end. If you are in need of expert medical advice or assistance, you should seek it from a source or physician of your choice. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking professional medical advice because of something you hear in this podcast. This podcast is about the host and his guest's medical journeys with prostate cancer. The listener is advised that the host and his patient guest are not medically trained. The podcast does not provide medical, psychological, financial, or other professional advice or services, and it is not intended or should be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The host has not received any remuneration for mentioning any tests, positions, institutions, products, or procedures. The host and guest references are provided for information purposes only and do not constitute endorsement of any product, medical procedure, website, or other information sources. Reliance on any information provided by the host or his guest in this podcast is solely at your own risk. With that out of the way, I welcome you to subscribe to the podcast series and to reach out to me, if you like, on my author website, www.sheeporwolfcancer.com. My social media presence is primarily on Facebook at Prostate Cancer Sheep or Wolf. And you can learn more about my book on Amazon as well as other book resellers. Thank you for listening and all the best to all of us. In closing, Momento Mori, just not from prostate cancer. <laughs>